0: Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Today we're very excited to be here in Brantford. We are at AWTEC USA with President Marie Louise Burkle.
1: Hello thank you for being here we appreciate it.
0: Welcome to the podcast we're really excited to have you and since we are the Connecticut Business and Industry Association we're just going to start off with how did Autec get here to Connecticut.
1: Well my dad started the company in 1947. Uh, We actually originally were in Hamden, Connecticut, which is, believe it or not, the birthplace of the coil cord industry. Uh, At one time there were four different coil cord manufacturers in Hamden, there's still two left, and uh, we moved to this side of the cube bridge in the late 1960s when my dad decided to open the manufacturing plant.
0: And tell me a little bit about kind of your involvement and how did you get into this family business?
1: Well, I I grew up here. I spent a lot of time here as a child. And uh, unfortunately, my father passed away just before I turned six, and my mom passed away when I was 15. So the company was held in trust for a number of years. And I came back into the fold in 1999 when I was 27. So, and I've been here ever since.
0: Wow. So, you know, you kind of lived here growing up, really. I'm sure you were like running around on the floor. Yeah,
1: I used to, we had another building over in North Brantford for a lot of years, which was our headquarters and warehouse. And I used to crawl through the shelves and play house and rearrange the boxes, which was not much appreciated by the employees, but it certainly was a lot of fun for me.
0: <laughs> Did you think that you'd come back here once you kind of were ready to be in that position? It was always a
1: hope for me. You know, uh, when, the, when the company was held under trust, I really didn't know a lot was going on. With it because i myself was a minor through a lot of that so i went to votech high school and took business there i participated in deca distributive education clubs of america in vehicles and petroleum marketing was my category because it was the closest thing they had to wire and cable uh, and that allowed me a scholarship to Johnson & Wales where I went into entrepreneurship as a major. So I really studied and worked to be prepared to do this but also to have a plan B in case it didn't work out.
0: <laughs> and now you've been president for 20 years?
1: 23. 23, yeah, and I don't look a day over 100.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you, I mean, the business just celebrated 75 years too, so I'm sure for you this year has been really Emotional and exciting.
1: It's been it's been a banner year for us. Yeah, we've had a lot of things to celebrate, and we're very grateful to be here.
0: Your dad, the way that he started this company, your manufacturing for one specific industry. How, how, how has it?
1: So we were, we were a distributor for our first 40 years. In other words, we bought coil cords from a company back then called ITT, ITT Royal. They were many different things over the decades. But these were neoprene rubber coil cords, and they were specific for the commercial trucking industry. And that was a great business for a long time. We, we sent pallets of wire out my father was ahead of his time in so many ways and one of the things that he saw coming down the pike in the late 60s was the deregulation of the trucking industry Uh, as many of us know uh, once something's regulated and then deregulated it never recovers so he really saw the writing on the wall that there were going to be less opportunities there and that's when he decided to move the company to the side of the Kew bridge and open this manufacturing plant where we went into extrudable plastics, no longer the neoprene, we still had to buy out for that. But we were able to manufacture five different types of extrudable plastics and really diversify into everything from little coil cords for automation to huge cords for the gas and mining industry and everything in between. So we're very fortunate, I mean literally, we play a game in my house similar to punch buggy but it's punch cordy and when you watch tv if you see a coil cord in the background of a tv show you know you get to beat the other person and it's it's amazing the awareness that it gives us for all of the opportunities out there the different industries
0: what's it like for you now being in this position um, and kind of what have you tried to do in your 20 plus years here to really bring back the roots of your father and the family business. I like to
1: say we still do business here like it's 1959. It's a customer service oriented business. We just happen to, to give people wire and cable to remember us by. But really my father's focus was customer service and, and treating the employees as family. So I was really excited to come back and be able to, to do that with this business. I think it's something that's very much needed throughout all industries right now so to be able to focus on that was really exciting for us when I first got back here in the late 90s uh, we were just starting to deal with offshoring shortly thereafter 9-11 so we had a lot of challenges right at the get-go but it helped us to focus on what we do well so the big companies moved overseas and we're doing mass quantities And we decided to fill the niche that they wouldn't, which again, customer service, custom cords, small quantities, really trying to give entrepreneurs, inventors, innovators a leg up so that they can grow their businesses. And that's what we take a lot of pride in doing.
0: Yeah, you take a lot of pride in working with companies here in the U.S., right? And uh, kind of distributing really all over.
1: Yeah, the majority of our business is uh, here in the United States, although we do a a tremendous amount of business with Canada as well. About 50% of our business now is through distribution. So at the end of the day, we don't know where our cords land all the time. So some of them may end up overseas. I know we have one customer we deal with that they're uh, positioned here in Connecticut, but they actually ship all of our materials over to Germany where they assemble medical machinery. So we have a worldwide presence.
0: Tell me a little bit about, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but what you guys have been manufacturing and kind of how, you, how things have evolved here.
1: Well, our niche has always been retractile cords or coil cords and we were distributed for those from 1947 to 1977 when we opened this manufacturing plant and began making our own cords which gave us a lot of freedom and flexibility to to diversify into a lot of markets however since we do make all of our own wire here from copper up that allows us also to be able to sell the straight wire. So for a lot of people who, again, are developing prototypes or that sort of thing, who need small quantity of a specialty product, we can do that for them as well.
0: Okay, and I know during the pandemic, you guys made um, like little things to hold the mask. The retract
1: mask, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. I was the girl who was getting an extra 10,000 steps a day for getting my mask in the car. So I actually created that for myself initially, and then dawn broke on Marblehead a few weeks later and said, huh, I bet I'm not the only person. So we did come up with uh, several different sizes to take into consideration people's heights or if they're doing something athletic. I'm a horseback rider myself, so we made an extra long one so you could stuff it in your pocket while you're doing whatever and not have to go and find it on the ground later. And uh, we were very proud of doing that. And, and we found a lot of other uses for them as well. So uh, we're having a lot of fun with our customers, asking them to send in pictures for alternate uses for these things uh, as time as we get away from this pandemic and, and can start to have a little more fun with them.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so many businesses like, like you shifted to things that were necessary for the pandemic. But I also know the pandemic also impacted workforce um, other aspects of your business. Tell me a little bit about the impact it had specifically here and how you you came out better because of it.
1: We're actually very fortunate here. We retained our entire production staff through COVID. We lost no one, so I was really happy about that. Uh, We did have to make some cuts in the front office, but we're rebuilding from there. However, the pandemic brought us in more new customers in, in that two years than we had had in the 10 years prior because people were having a hard time finding businesses that were open and producing and customer friendly. So that really helped us out quite a bit. And we investigated doing other things as well. We, we were in a position where we could have changed our machinery over to make medical tubing. So that was a plan. F uh, in, the, in the segment of things. Uh, so yeah, the pandemic gave us a lot of opportunities, which we hadn't had. Again I was able to keep my people, I'm very fortunate, I have such a great workforce. Uh, when the pandemic first popped up and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to keep running, there was 9 o'clock at night, my guys met me here and we put tarps over things and got everything set up to, to shut down if we had to. But we were fortunate enough to get signed up as a tier one supplier with the White House, which allowed us to remain essential and to keep going.
0: And what do you think brought that commitment from your employees? What what kind of things do you think that you're doing here that really made them want to step up?
1: Wow, that's that's a rough one. Um, (laughs) We're very good to our people here. Uh, We're flexible we appreciate them, we educate them. My big thing that I tell my employees all the time is I'm always going to provide them with opportunities to get better at their job and to increase their skill set because one day they may wake up and decide they don't want to see this face anymore and they can walk away from the job with more skills than they came on. So it's a win-win for everybody and I think just being respectful of their intelligence and their capabilities people appreciate that. I include them in a lot of our decisions. They know their job better than I do. I'm not a micromanager. So I, I really give them a lot of say in what goes on around here and am always curious to have their input.
0: Where do you recruit your, your talent from?
1: So the majority of our people have come through uh, an employment agency here in Brantford, Connecticut called Reitman. We take people in as temps. And if they make it through the hole, now it's 500 hours, and they still like us, then we'll take them on board as employees.
0: Awesome. So that's kind of a program that you've been able to have success going back and forth with. Yeah,
1: we've had great success. Reitman's a great agency. They send us wonderful people, and and we're very fortunate that we can do it that way.
0: Yeah, it's great to have that partnership, too, where you know somewhat of what you're getting.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have trusted partners, especially when it comes in this day and age to employees and retention and, and finding good people.
0: Now, 75 years is just a fabulous milestone, especially for a family business. What are you kind of thinking now as you look to the future of the business? What are you hoping, hoping to accomplish?
1: We want to see ourselves grow again. We're seeing, thank God, a lot of people come back to buying products in the United States and understanding how that supports the job market and the economy overall. So there's a lot of opportunity for us going forward. Uh, Believe it or not, I'm the youngest uh, business owner in the industry, so uh, at some point we'll get market share back just because people, you know, eventually have to die. Uh. (laughs) There's a very few of us left in the United States, I think we're down to 11 of us who make coil cords and only about five of those actually manufacture their own wire to do the coil cords. So we really are a unicorn and we intend to to market that. And like I said, customer service, we're finding from our vendors that we don't get customer service necessarily. They don't have sales account reps anymore. We have to do a lot of our own homework. So we're trying to take a lesson from that and make sure that for our customers, not only are we a resource for product, but we're a resource for information and technology.
0: I think a lot of Connecticut companies in particular take a lot of pride in that right
1: yeah yeah i mean connecticut was you know one of the original manufacturing hubs here in the united states there are a lot a lot a lot of sleeper manufacturers still here and yeah the family-owned companies we do take a lot of pride your employees become part of your family your customers become part of your family if you're fortunate enough your vendors become part of your family so it's it's an easy thing to take pride in it's doing things what i think is the right way
0: You know, you mentioned just being one of only 11 in the U.S. How does that motivate
1: you? How did that motivate me? Again, I see in in our industry right now, there's a big movement with a lot of venture capitalists coming in and buying out these companies. They're not there to invest in growing the company as much as, I think, to get a write-off against the rest of their portfolio. So it's really important to me, not only for my company, but competition is what breeds a good industry so it's very important for me that we take this opportunity again to to work well not only with our customers but we have friendly friendly relationships with several of our competitors as well we've helped each other get materials through the pandemic when the supply chain was messed up we've talked about buy, forming buying groups so we can deal with some of these price increases and order quantity increases so uh, the motivation is to keep this industry growing, going and growing, and again, to, to be able to be there for our customers. Or, and if we can't do something ourselves, to have that friendly relationship with our other competitors so we can point them in the right direction.
0: And obviously the supply chain is still such a big issue for so many, inflation. How are you kind of going at those issues? How are you overcoming Ooh. them?
1: We're working on it. It's, it's getting harder every day. Like I said, with the increasing prices, we're getting pinched here and there with different vendors, you know, like everybody else. We had some cash crunch issues during the pandemic. Some of our customers weren't liquid enough to pay their bills and we helped them with that. Our vendors are not helping us. So it's a challenge we need to overcome. I am very happy we have partnerships with CBIA and Manufacturer CT and again with the Office of Small Business at the White House, that we have places to go to talk about these issues and try to find the people at the top of the food chain to encourage them to start to develop programs where they encourage small business to grow instead of, as I call it, eating their young. You know, it doesn't seem like a smart idea to me to put your customers out of business when times are bad because then you don't have them when times are good. So hopefully as we go forward, we can influence some policy and some changes at the top of the food chain where these businesses are encouraging and growing small business instead of following the antiquated 80-20 rule.
0: Yeah, and you guys have been a small business for so long,
1: it's, you
0: know, you see the problems that come and go, but it's really worth fighting for.
1: It is, and and we're lucky as a small business, it's easier for us to change course, to change the sails with the wind. And be able to adjust with things as they're happening. We're very lucky that we have a good partnership with KeyBank. They've been helpful to us with getting some cash to keep things flowing as we uh, argue out these terms with the various different vendors.
0: Okay, so you know, a community partner like KeyBank has really supported you.
1: Yeah, it's it's very helpful, and and of course the Department of Labor here in Connecticut is always an awesome resource for us for grants for education for our employees because again, the better we get at our job, the more more we can control the expenses and and kind of stave off these increases by being more efficient. So we have a lot of great partnerships in Connecticut. It's a great place to do business. There's a lot of different opportunities to work network with organizations and the government here in the state. We're very fortunate. Our state reps and state senators work well with each other across the aisle. We're not seeing as much of the, the discourse and the refusal to work and move forward that other states are dealing with. So I think we're very fortunate to be here.
0: You feel supported.
1: Yeah, there's a there's, lot of resources. You
0: know, there's so much that you want to see change at the maybe the national level or with some of those big businesses, like yeah. you said, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you made $220 billion in profit in the middle of COVID, you have room in your business to support your smaller customers. And that's really what I'm advocating for.
0: Sounds great. Is there anything else, you know, that you'd like to add? you know, to talk about?
1: Uh, Again, you know, I think any business that's considering moving here to Connecticut, consider it deeply. Uh, It's a wonderful place to live. There's a lot of great arts and entertainments and nature here, and again, it's such a supportive, supportive business atmosphere. A lot of people feel because we have a democratic governor or whatever, that it's not gonna be business friendly. And that is not the case at all. Lamont has done a wonderful job supporting all of us. And uh, yeah, if you're considering moving to Connecticut, I would highly advise it. And I would recommend getting in touch with CBIA and Manufacture CT to get yourself some partnerships.
0: Awesome. Well, we're so excited to see. 75 years, maybe we'll be celebrating 100 very soon.
1: Hopefully, I'll make it that long.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us on this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple or YouTube. And while you're there, leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for future podcasts. For more episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.